So we've been talking about the family church values over the last few weeks, now on week four of this, of this series, which can be going right up to the end of November or beginning of December. So we've still got a lot of stuff to share about. So we've been talking about how, how every area of life, everything has a culture, and you know, whether family, a marriage, or a job, uh, or a workplace, or whatever the situation, everything has a culture. And as, as a church... We are, we are very intentional about defining what our culture is. We don't just want it to be a default culture just to kind of let it happen. Um, as pastors, as cross is true in all our locations, as family church pastors, we talk a lot about all this stuff. We meet up every Tuesday uh, with, with Pastor Andy, our senior pastor, and we talk about all sorts of stuff, pastoral stuff, vision, all kind of stuff. Um, you know, and it's very much our heart for us to have a, a very much a defined culture uh, of what kind of we, we desire or what we believe God wants us to look like as a church, amen? So we've, we've talked to different different things and we're going to continue with that this morning and talk about different uh, family church values which are based on biblical principles. Last week we talked about being a commissioned people, that we're, we're passionate about sharing the gospel uh, locally, nationally and globally. We looked at different aspects of that. We looked at the Great, uh, the great Commission, which we should all know, hopefully, as a, as a Christian and in this church because we talk about loads you know, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We talked about living a go life, having a heart for a heart for others, heart for other people, for reaching the lost. Having, and that starts with understanding God's heart and compassion for the lost, and having that same uh, that same uh, you know same heart in us. You know, Jesus made those great statements, didn't he? But it's not the healthy who need a doctor; it's but it's but it's the sick. You know, is our heart a reflection of God's heart? And then we looked at Acts one eight about you will see the hope. Holy Spirit, so you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is kind of like the, another one of the part of the commission to the to disciples in the early church. So in the same way that we are commissioned, so in our Jerusalem, our local area, and our Judea, Samaria, nationally, and, and also globally to go to the ends, ends of the earth. We talked all about different aspects of that last week. So if you missed last week, I encourage you to catch up on that if we've missed any of the weeks, because these are really fundamental to who we are who we are um, as a church. Okay, but let's, let's move on to, to this week. Now, there's kind of three kind of key areas um, in family church that we believe are important, and you can see these on our website and other places, which are to, to reach people, uh, to grow people, and to empower people. To reach people, to grow people, and to empower people. So this is the ones, and these three I'm particularly talking about over these three weeks. So last week we talked about reaching people, which is to be commissioned. Today we're going to talk about growing people, which is all about discipleship. And, and next week we talk about empowering, empowering people, how God desires to empower us and, and equip us for all that he desires for us to do. Amen. So reach, grow, empower, the three, three kind of key things, overarching things, and the values. Okay, so let's move on to value number, what are we on, value number three. So we are disciples. Did you know this morning you are a disciple? Not one of the 12 disciples, but you, not the ones that are listed, the apostles in the Bible, but we are disciples. And kind of the strap line for that is that we, as, as a church, we want to be people who are growing to all that God has called us to be, continually transformed by his word and spirit. But we want to grow into all that God has called us to be as people, continually transformed by his word, by the Bible, and by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we just looked at the Great Commission, talked about it a lot last week, to go and make disciples. So, so as, as Christians, you're a Christian this morning, you are a disciple. And the word disciple literally just means a follower or student of Jesus. A follower or a student of 
Jesus. You know, and, and discipleship, that, that journey of growth, it's an, it's an ongoing, ongoing process that God does in us. Now, I, I kind of wrote down in my notes here, it's, kind of, it's a constant journey of constant growth. That's what I wrote down. Is discipleship is a constant journey of constant growth. That's what God desires to do in us. He wants us to be, he wants us to be changed. He wants us to be more like him. Amen. And that's what being a disciple is. It's like being a, being a student. I don't know what your days at school were like, whether you enjoyed them, um, hated them, or somewhere in between. Everyone has different opinions uh, about school. Okay? But so don't let that cloud your thinking in any way. But, but do see yourself as a student, that you're a, a student of Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. Help being, being a disciple is, and God wants you to change. God wants you to learn more about him, have a deeper revelation of who he is, and to grow into all that he has called you to be. You know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, say you've been a Christian for five years, God wants you to be able to look back on your life and to see the, the journey that God has done over those five years. You know, we just had, had, I'm sure Helen, you won't mind me saying this, we just had Helen up here and you know, saying well, what God's done in her life. If you've, known, if you've known Helen from when she first came to Family Church, the journey of discipleship has been extraordinary. And I'm, I'm serious when I say that. It's been extraordinary. It has. To see what God has done. And I, I know you would say this, you're a totally different person. You're already, already a Christian, but a totally different person to who you were. And that, but that's the journey of discipleship and what, what, what God does as we submit to his, his Holy Spirit, as we submit to the Word of God. That's what God does. And that's what he desires to do in every single one of us. So we should be able to look back at our lives. You can look back at this time last year, hopefully, and you can see what God has done and how you changed over that period. And God wants that to be a constant journey, Amen? a constant journey of constant growth. Amen. So we continue, this is God's desire for us to be continually transformed by his word and his spirit. So let's start with transformed by his, by his word. This incredible book that we have is a, is a blessing, a blessing to us. I'm going to spend a whole week, because another one of our family church values, we'll spend a whole week on Bible believing. Talk about the Bible and you know, we'll never take anything out of it or add to it or anything else. It's central to who we are as believers. So we'll spend a whole, a whole other week on that. But what I want to talk about is being transformed by his word this morning. You know, the, I was looking back at some um, facts and figures. You know, the average British man, this is all relevant, okay, the average British man is 13 centimetres taller than 300 years ago. It's an interesting fact, isn't it? That's about five, about five and a half inches, if you're still old school. <laughs> so the average British man is, is 13 centimetres, or about five and a half inches, taller than they were 300, 300 years ago. And if you ever go to old houses, you know, like the big National Trust houses and all those kind of places, you look at the doorways, you can see clearly what's happened. I know sometimes they just didn't have the money to build them tall enough. That's true as well. But as a general thing, it's because people just weren't, weren't as tall, right? Now, that kind of brings in the question, of why has average height increased? Well, what, what's happened here? <laughs> this is what's magically happened here, that suddenly people are nearly six inches taller on average than they were 300 years ago. Well, the reason for that, and this is what, what scientists and all these people that study this stuff will say, it's because of the huge improvement that's been in living standards across the board, you know, whether you're poor, in the middle, or rich, there's been a huge improvement in living standards overall, and therefore we have vastly improved nutrition. You know, what, what we eat is much, much better than it was 300 years ago, and even people who are relatively poor, their nutrition would still be much better than it was in poor people 300 years ago. Does that make sense? So for, for everyone, it's massively, it's massively improved, and that's what's led to, you know, to people being taller, and this would be true, I don't have the facts for women, but it would be very, very similar, okay, definitely taller than they were, okay, on average, now I think about, this is all relevant to my message, okay, so I think about my son Jack, he's out in ignition, he's, he's 15, he's massive, he's six foot one, 
goodness knows how tall he's going to be. I don't know, six four, six five, maybe. Still got another Wonder Boy stock growing about 21, usually, isn't it? So still got a long way to go. We're always constantly buying new trousers, aren't we? Because nothing ever fits. It's interesting. And, and we always make the joke about he went, kind of went into lockdown as a boy and kind of came out a man. And, and that was very, very true. <laughs> he kind of was you know, pretty short when he first started year seven. And is now, now massive. Um, you know, and my son, he doesn't need, and this, I'm sure this is true of lots of boys and maybe lots of men and maybe lots of women, is he doesn't need any convincing to eat. <laughs> he really doesn't. He doesn't need any convincing to eat. I never have to say to Jack, please make sure you eat today. Anyone else have that in their life or with their kids or maybe in your own life? He doesn't need any convincing to eat. He, can, he literally could, could eat for England. I just, don't, I just don't know how he does it. He definitely eats more than, more than me. And, and we were kind of like, we, we wind him up something. It's probably like a third of our food bill. I think it's Jack, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> so we kind of wind him up about that. And he does burn lots off because he plays lots of sport and does all sorts of stuff. But, he did, but the point I want to make, he doesn't need any convincing to eat. And because of his nutrition, he's ended up, being really tall, maybe I didn't have much nutritious meals, I don't know, I ended up as five foot seven, I don't know what that says, I don't know, but there we go. But anyway, he certainly doesn't need any convincing, convincing to eat. Now, I'm going to bring that into a kind of a spiritual uh, you know, reality here, when it comes to the word of God, is God wants us to feed on the word of God. You know, those people who, who want to be disciples, and hopefully that's all of you, a great place to start with that is to be constantly hungry for the word of God. To not be convincing, you don't need a pastor. I mean, we are talking about this, yes, but you don't need a pastor at the front every week to say, well, you know, are you reading your Bible at the moment? Let's be hungry for the word of God. Amen? Let's not need to be convinced because it's going to change your life. You know, and there is no better to nutrition than the word of God if you want to grow spiritually. If you want to grow on that, be on that constant journey of constant growth, there's no better nutrition than feeding on the word of God. Amen? It's what's going to help you more than, more than anything else other than the Holy Spirit, which we'll come on to in a minute. Okay, that's also part of it. But the Word of God is going to change your life. The Bible itself talks about, about chewing on the Word of God and digesting the Word of God and, and uses the analogy of it, of it being food, of allowing it to kind of dig deep into our hearts, not just reading what it says, but also putting it into practice. You know, reading the Word of God and not putting it into practice is a bit like just looking at food and not eating it. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? We just looked at food, go, oh, that food looks amazing, but then we don't, we don't even eat it. You know, that's what be, a bit like with the Word of God, or James says it's like somebody looks in a mirror and then forgets what they look like, and they say, well, it's kind, of, it's kind of pointless. You know, the Word of God, we have to digest it, let it go down deep into our spiritual stomachs, as it were, and, and process it and get all the goodness out of it and then put it into practice. Amen? My notes are sticking together. This is helpful. So if, we, if we're reading the word of God, but we don't put it into practice, basically you're missing all the nutrition. You're missing all that God desires to do in you. Matthew 13, verse 23, in the parable of the sower that Jesus teaches, it says this, that the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding, a, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So that's the whole principle, isn't it, of the power of the sower and what the story that Jesus tells. He said it's about the, the fertility of someone's heart and how good soil their heart is. And when the word of God is, is sown, it is God's desire for it to produce a harvest in your life, for it to change you. Amen? For you to produce a harvest, to produce a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. 
So we have to read it and also put it into practice. Let it outwork in our lives. Amen? Let's be people who allow our roots to go deep. deep allow our roots to go deep in God, into, into all that he has for us. And, and in the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about this, of those people who have no root. And, and those people who let the weeds of life kind of come, in, come into their lives and the worries of worries of life. And, uh, but God's desire is to produce a great harvest in you. And that is the journey of discipleship. Amen? Produce a harvest in your life through the transformative power of the word of God. Amen? So that's be people who are hungry for the word. We don't need convincing. Amen? We're hungry for the word of God. When you get up in the morning, you're hungry for, for the word of God. When, when you're in, in, in a car, if you need something to do, then you can you know, uh, you know, stick a podcast on or someone, reading the, or someone reading out the Bible or whatever the context may be. But let's use our time wisely. Amen? And allow the word of God to change us. And what's so incredible about the word of God, even when it's things that we may have heard hundreds of times before, it, God will still give us a new revelation. Anyone ever had that? You know, it can be a verse that you've read so many times, you think, and suddenly it just hits you like a ton of bricks. Now, this is what God's saying here. There's few people who are committed to change, committed to journey on that, on that you know, whole journey of discipleship, to be transformed by God. You know, God also wants to totally transform our thinking. This is what the Word of God does. One of my favorite scriptures, because I, I use it a lot, but, it, but it's so, so profound. Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a, lav- a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as we read the word of God, it starts to change our thinking. You know, if we're all honest with ourselves, you know, our thinking may not be right. I never will admit to that. I'll, I'll admit to that. Sometimes my thinking isn't correct. And I'm not even talking about immoral stuff, although that, that could be an issue. But I'm just talking about not thinking the way that God wants us to think. Okay? You know, there's a real issue, and this is something that myself and Wendy, we, we've... we've as we deal with people pastorally and help people pastorally, is one of the biggest things that come up against, if I can put it in that way, is people who have the wrong thinking. They're Christians, but they have completely the wrong thinking of how, of how they see themselves as wrong, of how they see other people as wrong, of how they see God, how they see God as wrong. And all this thing, and this is not condemning anyone in this, because it's all stuff that God can change. But it's one of the biggest things we come up against. It's people who have completely the wrong thinking. And this is why the Word of God is just so powerful, because it totally changes your view of situations of how you see yourself, of how you see others, uh, of, how you see, of how you see God in your life. Amen? But when we start having correct thinking, understand what the word of God says about us, that there's so much, so much blessing. There's so many issues of wrong thinking, but there's so many blessings with, with correct thinking. Amen? You know, as Dave shared that testimony this morning, you know, about God can do anything. You know, as he was saying, I was just thinking about Ephesians 3.20, you know, where it says God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to the powers of according to the powers that work within us. Do we truly believe that? You know, there's, there's a great example. There's a scripture that would change your life if you, if you let it get down deep into your heart and let it start changing your thinking. If your thinking is, well, there are some things that God can't do, your thinking needs to change. Does that make sense? That's a reality. Your thinking needs to change. Amen? So let's, let's allow the word of God to get down deep into our hearts to change who we are. Be committed to that journey of discipleship and know that there's so much nutrition, there's so much goodness in the Word of God. Amen. As I said, we'll, we'll, 
and I kind of, kind of leave, in terms of the Word of God, I kind of, kind of leave it a bit, a bit there because we could do a whole week on, on Bible believing, so we can talk a lot more, a lot more about the Bible, etc. So let's move on to being transformed by His Spirit. Again, I'll bring the two, bring the two together. So we're transformed by the Word of God. That's God's desire for us on this journey of discipleship, and also transformed by His Spirit. Now, how you, how you see yourself, it, it matters. Now, myself and Wendy, we were having a conversation this week. Um, I don't know what I'm going to say now, do you? <laughs> anyway, say what I like. Anyway, um, yeah, we're both, we're both in our late 40s now, um, getting to our late 40s. I know, who would have believed it? I know, unbelievable. Don't, don't, look, don't look it, don't look it. Anyway, <laughs> and it does feel strange. We have an adult child. That's, that's odd. Growing up is odd, isn't it? It's whatever age you're at, growing up, it's just, it's just a strange process, isn't it? Um, anyway, and how you, how you see yourself matters. And, and Wendy this week, she had a few kind of aches and pains, as you do sometimes when you get a bit older. Older, I didn't say old, as you, as you get older. But we had this whole kind of conversation, we are just kind of joking, about not seeing yourself as old. And about the way you have, this is all relevant again to the message, okay? I'm going to bring this as an, as an analogy, okay? And how you see yourself actually matters. It genuinely does. I'm not talking about like mind over matter here. That's, that's kind of odd stuff. I'm talking about that. But how you see yourself does actually matter. It genuinely does. And, and to, we just had a whole conversation about that, about not seeing ourselves as, as like old, as be full of energy, full of life, all that God desires to still do in us and, uh, and through us. Still see, ourselves, see ourselves as a young married couple. We're glad what amazed what God's done for 24 years of marriage but let's not you know kind of see ourselves as kind of you know old people that God's finished with us or etc etc we had a whole kind of conversation about that it's how we see ourselves matters and, and as you age it's interesting isn't it because you sometimes you often you often don't feel any different do you to me I feel about 25 it's odd isn't it you kind of like get stuck in that kind of stuck in that mode and you're kind of your body's 20 years older than how you feel it's just it's interesting isn't it anyway but how you see yourself matters, and that's true in a physical sense, but much more importantly, that's true in a spiritual sense. How you see yourself it absolutely is crucial. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. It's really important that we have the correct identity. The correct identity, and we see ourselves the way that God sees us. You know, we talk a lot as a church about seeing ourselves as a brand new creation, and that is a reality. Do you see yourself as a brand new creation this morning? Do you see yourself as a son or daughter of a living God this morning? Because the devil will bombard you with, with stuff about your, your rubbish and you're no good and you're not a good Christian and you're not as good as the person sitting next to you and all that kind of stuff that the devil bombards us with. Yeah, but that's lies. It's rubbish. It's from the pit of hell itself. You are a brand new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That's what scripture says. This is why identity is so, so important. And the way you see yourself spiritually absolutely matters. The way you're going to be used by God, the way you're going to grow on that journey of discipleship is how you see yourself is absolutely key in all that. You know, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? So did you know this morning the Holy Spirit dwells in you? Again, this is going back to identity. The Holy Spirit dwells inside you. Where you go, the Holy Spirit goes. Amen? You know, just let that kind of sink in for a minute. (laughs) The Holy Spirit dwells inside you we are we are not i've said this a few times but we are not normal human beings look at the person next to you say you are not normal (laughs) you know we are not normal maybe true that's maybe true in lots of ways i don't know but we are not normal human beings because we're spiritually alive we'll spend a whole week talking about spiritual it's another one of our family church values okay so we'll spend a whole week talking about the the ministry of the holy spirit and what what that means for our lives okay we're talking kind of really focused on discipleship this morning 
But let that sink in. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. So you are not a normal human being. And the Holy Spirit's job is to transform you. That's literally what the Holy Spirit does. If it kind of the Holy Spirit had a job description, if I can say it in that way, his, his job description is to transform you. is to change you and to make you more and more like Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Amen? 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul wrote this, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So that's the, that's the Spirit's job. It is to change you to be transformed into the image, image of God, and image of Jesus. So let's be people who listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. As I said, we'll spend a whole week talking about being spiritual and, and Holy Spirit dwelling in us. So we kind of like doing a bit of an overview this morning. But let's be people who listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because his job is to transform you. you know, I've talked a lot about this, but it's, it's, it's important to talk about, about who is the boss in your life. Is, is it our own kind of like our own soul, our mind, our will and emotions, or is it the Holy Spirit? If you want to be everything that God desires you to be, if you want to continue to grow, then key to that is submitting to the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, our, our soul, which is our mind, our will and emotions, remember, it's not, they're not you know, instantly changed in the same way that, that spiritually we're instantly changed when we become a brand new creation. Our soul, our mind, our will and emotions, it's an ongoing process of sanctification throughout our lives. You know, and our soul is a terrible master. You make, if, you, if you are a soulish Christian, and I, don't want to, I want to say this in a, a loving way, but it's just, a, just a, it's not aimed at anyone, it's just a general statement. But if you are a soulish Christian who's led by your mind, will, and emotions, you will not make good decisions. Like I've said it. You, you, will not, you won't. I'm serious. But you will not make good decisions because it will be based on how you feel at the time, how your, emo, how your emotions are at the time, just you know, whether you're self-willed at the time, just kind of what I want to do, what I want to do. You, you will not make good Spiritual decisions, right? So everyone agree? It's not being harsh, it's just a, just a reality. So if we want to make great decisions and, and make wise choices and, and live the lives that God wants us to be and, and grow into all that he desires for us, key to that is submitting to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you are the boss. That's basically how, how I see it. You know, kind of that internal battle that can go inside us. Just, just, just submit. Again, this is something that myself and Wendy come up against pastorally when we're, when we're trying to help people. It's just, they just, people just need to sometimes, and there can be lots of different issues. I'm not talking about people who are unwell and all those kind of things, because of course we just pastorally help them in any way we can and pray for them and believe for healing. I'm talking about people who've got a whole load of issues in their life, and, and so often they're self-inflicted. And, and the reason they're self-inflicted is because those people just won't submit to the Holy Spirit. And so there are all these kind of internal battles going on over, and often goes in a cycle, round and round and round and round in circles. And the only way it will ever be broken is if they submit to the Holy Spirit. Just, just, I'm just saying it. <laughs> it is. Right? So let's make that decision for our own lives. You're not responsible for anybody else. You're only responsible for yourself. But who is in charge of your life? Is it, is it your soul? Is it your mind, will, and emotions? Or is it, is it the spirit of God? Because remember, God's, God's goal in life is to make you more Christ-like, to make you more and more like him. And, and of course, the fruit of the spirit is a big part of that. And we'll talk more about that when we talk about, when we do the spiritual family church family. We'll talk more about that. But God wants to produce fruit in you. Amen? So let's kind of bring these, bring these together. It's time, it's time is going quick. But let's bring these together. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So the Word of God and the Holy Spirit also very much work together to, tra- to transform you. Amen? You know, in this, I'm using a lot of analogies this morning, but I like analogies. So the analogy I'm going to use now is about flying a plane. I don't know that much about flying, flying planes. Actually, no. <laughs> Actually, nothing, according to Wendy. So I'll scrap that. So let's get rid of, get rid of my notes. 
<laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I have never flown a plane, that's true. I've been in a plane, but never flown a plane. Anyway. I've watched Top Gun, one and two, yeah, very good. Anyway, <laughs> so I know a little bit. Anyway, so let's not get distracted. So fly, flying a plane. So when, when, a, when a pilot pilot learns to fly a plane, and, and pilots are very highly trained, uh, I thank the Lord for that. You know, you wouldn't want to go on, a, who would want to go on a plane that's kind of like got a work experience student in <laughs> that week? <laughs> Can you imagine? You go on a jumbo jet across to America or across to Europe somewhere, and they've just kind of got like a work experience kid who's got no idea what any of the buttons are. I, I don't want to be on that plane. I don't know about you. I don't want to be on that plane, right? Everyone agree, right? I know someone, everyone's got to start somewhere, but I don't want to be on that plane. You need to learn, learn a simulator first before you're flying anybody, right? But, but, that's, but pilots have to go through a whole process, don't they, of training. And it's very intensive training. They're very highly, very highly paid, but that's all because of the, the years and years of training they have to do. And they start, thankfully, they don't start with real planes. They start <laughs> in a simulator and have to learn what all the instruments are. And you've ever, I'm sure you've just seen photos of, or in film, movies or whatever. You know, they have all these instruments, don't they, in front of them. There's masses and masses of instruments. Of different, I don't mean musical instruments, obviously. You know, it's massive, massive instruments of, you know, of dials and numbers and things that tell them all sorts of stuff that they have to kind of you know, keep an eye on. So they have to basically look at what the instruments are and, and tell them you know, where they need to go and how, how, you know, what their altitude is, how high they are in the, in the sky and how far they are to their destination and all that, all that, kind, of, all that kind of stuff. So I want to kind of use that analogy of kind of your life and that God wants us to fly high in him. And this is what I believe, this is the way that I believe the Word of God and the Holy Spirit work together, is the Holy Spirit's, to use the same analogy, he kind of keeps you in the sky. He, the Holy Spirit decides how fly that you high, how, how, how high you fly, sorry. It's the Holy Spirit that keeps you in the air full of life and purpose. In other words, it's your, he determines your altitude. So the Holy Spirit keeps you in the air full of life and purpose to determine your altitude, but it's the Word of God that keeps you on course and keeps you in a straight line. In other words, he determines your longitude. He uses kind of like the, you know, the, the aviation terms. So Holy Spirit decides your altitude and, and the word of God decides your longitude. Because God wants you to get to the destination that he has for you. So just like a pilot and, and he has to use his instruments to know where, where, he's, where he's going, look at all the dials, this is what we have to do as Christians. It's, it's a, you know, what is the Holy Spirit saying? What's kind of like the dial of the Holy Spirit saying in this situation? What's the word of God saying in this situation? To keep your eye on the dials. Use those instruments that God has given us. Those incredible instruments and dials and guides for life of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. You know, both are absolutely necessary and both are absolutely key. And, and to be a successful Christian on the journey of discipleship, obedience to, to both are absolutely necessary. You know, if you can imagine, imagine a pilot who spent ages training and then they totally ignore all the instruments. Well... They're probably not the world's best pilot, are they? Right? Again, I don't want to be on that plane. Right? They, have to be, they have to be very disciplined, don't they? We're talking about discipleship. Very disciplined to, to, to follow. What's happened there? It's gone, it sounds different. Did something happen? No, it's just me. Okay. You know, they have to be really disciplined to look at what the instruments say and, and to, to keep an eye on them and to be obedient to them. There's no point in them thinking, well, I don't, don't believe what that dial says. I'm just going to do my own thing anyway, right? That's a, that's a big issue. So it's really important for them to stay disciplined. So as I said, you wouldn't want someone on work experience <laughs> flying your plane. You want an expert, someone who's highly trained. And you know the experts that God has provided for us, the instruments God has provided are the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And they know best. Amen? The Holy Spirit knows best. 
and the Word of God knows best. So let's be a people that allow both of those things to transform us and to grow us into the person that God has called us to be and to live a life that he is destined for us, to be a true disciple. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I just want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to just, just, just pray just a prayer of just, of just a commitment to the journey of discipleship. I'm sure that's true of all your, of all your hearts this morning. Let's, just, let's commit to that. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, you want to change us. You want to grow us. You want to make us more like you. Lord, we thank you for these incredible, Lord, guides, instruments, Lord, you've given us. You've given us the word of God, that guide for life. Lord, and you've given us the spirit of God that dwells within us. Lord, thank you for both of those. Lord, and Lord, we choose to be a people, Lord, who are obedient, Lord, to those guides, instruments you've given us. Lord, we don't want to go off course. Lord, we, Lord, we want our, our longitude to be right. We want to stay in a straight line. We don't want to go off to the left or, or to the right. We want to stay on that narrow path that leads to life, as you talked about. We want our longitude to be right. Lord, and we want our altitude to be right. Lord, we want to fly high in you. Lord, we want to believe you for the impossible. Lord, we want you to change us. We want us to see ourselves, Lord, the way that you see us. Lord, that we're children of a living God, that we're new creations. We're, we're made new. The old is gone. The new has come. Lord, we're saved and healed and restored and delivered. Lord, we're made new. We're full of your mercy and your grace and your love and your, and your power. Lord, may we see ourselves, Lord, the way we see you. Lord, I pray we'll be people who are committed, Lord, to the word of God and the spirit of God and obedient to them both. Lord, may we fly high for you and all that you desire to do in our lives. Lord, and may we stay on course, Lord, in all that you desire to do for our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, bless every person here. Use us, Lord, on our journey of discipleship. Lord, may we look back, Lord, Lord, in a, in a month's time, in, in six months' time, in a year's time, Lord, to see what you have done, Lord, in that time period, to see how you have changed us, how we have grown in you. May we step out into all that you have for us. May we may be completely submitted to your spirit and to the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. You're so, so good. Amen.